0: to <laughs>
1: everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Chomping After Dark the podcast where we deep dive into the stories of our favorite video games and the occasional movie tv show or even perhaps something else i want you to think for a moment and answer my question silently to yourself when you think about video gaming who are some of the first characters that come to mind If you read the title of this episode, maybe you already know. But if you didn't, keep a tab on what your first few answers are. Okay, so what are they? Mario? Sonic? Master Chief? Samus? Those are all great choices, but the one I'm thinking of is none other than the star and protagonist of The Legend of Zelda games. He is famous for his green clothing and pointy ears. Yes, I'm talking about none other than Tingle the icon himself. But really, I'm talking about Link. Rather, we are talking about Link today as we discuss The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, one of the best games of this generation, and possibly ever. Let me introduce you to the crew that will be joining me today. First, I am joined by a man who is known for his Waluigi love and would rid himself of all of his worldly possessions if there was a way for him to listen to Navi's incessant requests. Rich Meister is in the house. Rich, how you doing, buddy?
2: Not bad, man. i um, really excited to talk about the Minish Cap with
1: you. Hmm. I'm excited that you're excited. There's excitement abound and a plenty. But no, um I finally played this game, Rich, and we're actually gonna talk about it. Does that feel good? Uh it feels
2: feels a little late, if I'm being honest. Uh I'm I'm <clears throat> glad you played this game. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're here. Um It's gonna be a I feel like a weird a weird chopping after dark in the weirdest way possible. I feel like Breath of the Wild simultaneously has the most story a Zelda game's ever had and the least. Does that make sense?
1: It does make sense, actually. Yes. Me being the expert that I am, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, it does make sense, though. I believe. And I'm excited to talk about this in a lot more detail with you. I've been itching to talk about this game in full detail, so we're finally getting to it, Rich. It's going to be great. It's going to be nice. I'm glad you're here to join us. For I'm it. ready. Me too. Next, I'm joined by a man who once professed to me on a mountaintop that if given the chance, if given the chance, he would make Nintendo the happiest company the world has ever seen. Since then, he has turned his house into a home for him and Nintendo. Josh Fowler is here, and there's absolutely nowhere else he would rather be. Josh, how you doing, buddy? And then I jumped off of that mountain. It was... Um,
0: <laughs> Plummeted pretty
3: somewhere. Pretty good. Pr- doing doing pretty good. Um, it's getting late here. Little little tired, but not not mm. not so tired that it's uh you know distracting yet. Just just feeling right.
2: it.
1: That's
0: how mm. tired
2: I am.
1: Mm. That makes sense. Are you excited to finally talk about this? five year old game in its full entirety years later
4: yes other than knowing that I don't remember any names at this point because I'm bad with that sort of oh, thing
2: there's Link, uh Zelda Ganon <laughs> there are a lot of other names you're given Falco Falco <laughs> Falco's Gale is now ready <sighs>
4: Yeah,
1: I'm excited. Is Long-Tall Sally
4: this in this one, or is that, is that something else?
2: That's a secret case. It's only in the okay. DLC. We're not talking right. about that. Okay. Okay. Sally.
1: Oh, Sally.
2: Majora, uh, his mask makes an appearance.
1: Yeah. It'll be a Skull Kid. Skull Kid. There's a one particular name that you guys are missing, and I'll let you know right now, because I am Shay Layton, Prince Sidon's personal scale shiner. That's, right. Huh. About That's rook. right. I'm here. I'm here to shine some scales and here to shine some light on this great and beautiful story we're about to talk about. About to talk about, rather. So from this point on, there will be spoilers. If you are concerned about the plot being ruined, turn back now. Go spend the meager 60 plus hours to play and then please return when you have finished. But now, turn the lights down low. Slip into something more comfortable, take the pointy rupees out of your pockets, and sip on an exquisitely flavored beverage as we tell you a tale by the fireplace. Part 1. 10,000 years before the start of the game, the Shika, an ancient race, had lived in the land of Hyrule, developing it into an unknown but advanced civilization. Hyrule was protected by four gargantuan machines called Divine Beasts, and they were accompanied by automatons called Guardians. Suddenly, Calamity Ganon, an evil creature, appeared, threatening to destroy all of Hyrule. Four great warriors were given the title of champion, and they were each entrusted with a Divine Beast. They used the Divine Beasts to weaken Calamity Ganon, while the princess with the blood of the goddess and her protective knight fought and defeated him, thus sealing him away. Ten thousand years later, Hyrule had for some reason regressed to a medieval state. Bits and pieces remained from the advanced civilization that the Sheikah had crafted, and there were rumors and legends of them. The Hylians read transcriptions left by the Sheikah prophesizing the return of Ganon. The Hylians excavated the Divine Beasts and Guardians while Princess Zelda trained to awaken the magic needed to defeat Ganon. Meanwhile, Link, a knight, was appointed to protect her and be her sword in combat. He was entrusted with the Master Sword, the sword that seals darkness, after having been found able to wield it. If you couldn't tell... The order to which I'm discussing the story today is not exactly what happens in-game. Chronologically, this is what happens, but the game starts at a very different place. So Rich, when you are first released into the world of Hyrule in Breath of the Wild, you are able to discover the origin story of Hyrule in any order that you please. Do you think it was to the game's benefit to allow you to uncover past events when you so choose, Or did it slightly hamper the pacing and urgency of the main story?
2: Um, I don't think it hampers it at all. I think it's Breath of the Wild's strongest suit, and it's something something that games have tried to copy a lot since then. Like, uncovering Breath of the Wild's secrets at your own pace, be they narrative or be they just places to explore are are what make it so rich. And half of that is finding those, those memories that give you cutscenes and kind of show you bits and pieces of the past. Um, and the other half of it are just finding like burned out villages and ruins and stuff like that. Like it, it is a game about discovery and it does it better than I think any game has done before or since.
1: Hmm. Hmm yeah that's that's interesting josh what what do you have to add to that or what are your thoughts on that um
3: yeah I mean the pacing is kind of what you make of it um given given the setup for it um I'm kind of curious what it would be like
4: to just start the thing up, do the main quest stuff that they kind of really strongly hint at to you, and then just go try to get... try to finish the game, essentially, like, just main quest stuff, Um, to know if that would... I mean, I know it's a possibility. You can go beat the game right off the bat, but, like, feasible? I don't know. That's, you know, doing that is kind of dark souls level type difficulty because you have to really know the boss patterns to not get hit by stuff at that point. Cause you just, you're so, so squishy. Um, so I'm curious, like I, I always think of it as like, Oh, you just make your own pacing, but I am curious if you just, just wanted the story, whether or not that's
3: completely unfeasible. Um, you know again i don't think that's where the game shines and i think it would be very hard to
4: do that just because of they're still not like guiding you by the hand you'd kind of stumble on stuff along the way to that unless you specifically went out of your way to avoid it I, i i don't i don't think there's a way to accidentally
1: ruin the pacing of this game um I don't but, either. It's like yeah, for for me, I just want to interject really quickly in there. I don't feel like it's, um, like I I never really felt like the pacing was off at all because to me yeah. it wasn't like calamity, calamity Ganon is going to wake up tomorrow. It's like it's going to happen very soon. Link, you need to get your power back, and they they don't really yeah impress upon the player how much time they have. So I didn't feel like. It was imminent, but it's coming very soon, and we need to, you know, take care of it before it gets too much of a problem. That's kind of yeah. how I took it. Yeah, I think they do a good
4: job of impressing on you that other than, like, individual story beats, nothing's really super urgent in, like, a sense of, like, oh, man, I've I've got to go take care of this thing now. Um, and I think that really helps, To I think
2: urgency only sets in when you get to those areas like every area kind of has its own sense of urgency once you start the quest like like a self-contained sort of a thing yeah that works when you become invested in it like sort of when you arrive in like the the area of zoro's domain and there's like that eternal rain going on yeah or like the the more powerful immense heat going on inside goron city like stuff like that where it's just you know you meet up with Sidon and he's like I need your help and there's a sense of urgency contained within that like now I'm hooked onto this quest link with Sidon he needs my help and if I really want to explore this corner of the map I need to make sure this eternal rain stops or it's going to be a bitch to explore yeah
4: and I think they do a good job of that as far as like getting into a new area kind of understanding what's going on there and then feeling like you want to do something about it um, but not feeling like hmm
2: they are stakes, but they're contained to the areas they are established in. Yeah,
4: it doesn't... A lot of times you hit these sort of sections and instead of feeling like solving whatever's going on in this area, it's like, oh man, this is really a diversion from the main story. And none of those feel like that in here. It feels... sure
3: Because there isn't so much urgency in that main... You know, kind of... It, it the, lets these
4: things the, move to the the top the of your story list. The story of the game, like big picture, is kind of the stuff you're given right off the bat, and then that's it. You find out a bunch of other stuff that's like backstory or additional things that are going on in the world, but none of it is like oh man, you you, you should really get a move but on with even, the main
2: quest here. That even speaks to the open endedness of it though, because like yeah. you said, the story is the stuff you're given up front, like Freeing the Divine Beasts is going to help you defeat Ganon. You could defeat Ganon without doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... To be honest with you, I don't think that um there's too much going on narratively outside of the main quest to really distract from what you're doing. Even if you're out collecting Korok seeds or, you know, you're frolicking with horses, you know that, like, that's... Just a open world stuff and b that's kind of your own fault. Like you're not gonna fuck up. Uh, for me, at least, I, I felt this way. I didn't feel like I'm messing up the pacing because I'm doing that stuff. That's by choice. It's not necessarily that the game is yeah. suggesting that you do that or anything. It's there.
2: Yeah, if for that sure. makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. So,
1: yeah, I I don't know. I didn't really feel like the pacing was messed up at all. So it was just I I wanted to. It's kind of an interesting question because I'm sure there are some people out there who are like, you know, I didn't feel the urgency of this because you do all the stuff on the side. So, yeah, just wanted to speak to that. But uh, let's jump back in. Yeah. Part two. Four champions are appointed to command the Divine Beasts, each representing a race of Hyrule. Daruk from the mountainous Goron. Mifa the princess from the aquatic Zora. Rivali of the bird-like Rito and Urbosa of the d- of the desert-dwelling Gerudo. Their mission was to assist Zelda and Link with the strength of the Divine Beasts. Suddenly, Ganon reawakened and took control of both the Divine Beasts and the Guardians. He turned them on Hyrule and they laid destruction, killing King Rome, Zelda's father, and the champions. The castle town was destroyed and Link was severely injured while defending Fort Hatino. I think it's Hatino or Hatino.
2: I believe it's I That's Or that's at least how I have voice pronounced it.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. There's. With not, some
1: quick.
2: It's hmm. never said.
4: There's voice right. acting, but that's never
1: said. Right. With some quick I thinking, think Zelda I might be wrong. had Link. It's not. Zelda had Link stored in the Shrine of Resurrection while she hid the Master Sword in the Lost Woods under the watchful protection of the Great Deku Tree. She used her magic to seal both herself and Ganon in Hyrule Castle. The event came to be known as the Great Calamity. So Josh, while past Zelda games have dealt with the end of the world and Link coming to Zelda's rescue, this is the first time that Link has had to deal with Ganon being victorious completely in a battle or coup. Now, do you think it was important for Ganon to finally get a victory, and why? I don't know. I've heard that a lot. The whole Ganon's
4: not really won until this one. And yeah.
2: Kind of wins he's... Wind Waker.
4: Yeah, like they, they've they kind of tackled this idea before of like things. Of, I mean, that that was kind of a different thing of like, you yeah. know, monkey paw sort of situation. Like he was going to win, and oh, we totally stopped it by destroying the world by accident. Um. Yes. So that that kind of I I I got a lot of the same vibes as that I got from Wind Waker is kind of what I'm trying to say. Uh. With that, um. Definitely a lot of that feeling of exploration, like, and that was on a much smaller scale. Because um, a lot
2: of it was empty space, but it's definitely taking notes from that.
3: Um. As as far as the. Ganon has one thing. I kind of... I like... I like the feeling of the stakes that it kind of gives. Even with the... you know, the four
4: warriors having already died going into this kind of... it gives you the
3: the additional... you know... Things are really bad this time. Sort of a feeling to it. I I I don't know. I think it works. I think they.
4: It's such a weird thing to say. Like it's not that it makes it darker. There have been plenty of dark Zelda sort of environments and and whatnot.
1: Like the stories are are, are pretty dire. Exactly. Um, like Majora's Mask is the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, that, that whole game is very dark. Um
2: Ganon also kind of wins an ocarina if we're <laughs> if we're splitting hairs here.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but like it's not like at this level of an undecided victory. It's like clearly Ganon kind of has the upper hand here. Yeah, of like the
4: hero didn't show up while. and he won one. But I,
1: Yeah, it's just I
2: mean, in my opinion, like again, I I think you're technically correct, Shay, but like my thought is I go, it's actually kind of Identical to Ocarina, just Link is asleep for much longer.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he's he's asleep for a hundred years instead of seven. Um. And they also do a good job of explaining how dire things have gotten in the intervening years
4: right off the bat by having Castletown be overrun by zombies uh, with that. Um, Which is pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I distracted myself thinking of all the other games that have done similar situations, and I, I do. I think it's something that the Zelda games have done traditionally fairly well. They've done some lighter ones where the like the world is not taken over, and you're both kind of working at the same time. Like the bad guy is currently doing some shit over here and there, and whatnot, and you're kind of trying
2: to stop them. Sort of a feeling to it.
0: Yeah, um, you've
2: you've basically lost and needed to fall back and regroup. Like even Twilight Princess to a degree is that, but I think the, the pure scope of it being a hundred years is what makes this so different and that that is fair. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um I don't know. Like I just personally I don't feel like it added as much to the feel
4: of the game as just completely changing up the gameplay did, at least personally. Um but it definitely kind of like we were saying before with the pacing i think it is a good ha- having it having the threat feel like it is not an urgent threat but something you definitely need to take care of um is really facilitated by the narrative they are telling here um in order to make that not just feel awkward because that's something a lot of open world games have an issue with is how how do we tell any story but still not make it really weird when you fuck off for a hundred hours in the middle of it? Um, Yeah. No, I think, I think, I think the story really plays into that. Well, with, Mm. um. yeah.
1: Uh, Rich, what, sorry, what do you have to add? Uh, No, I'm sorry. Go (laughs) ahead. I I thought you were done.
4: No, no, I am done. I'm just, that kind of
2: winding road to get there. It's all good. It's all good. Rich, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I mean, I think we covered it for the most part. I think it, it was an interesting dynamic to... Not not even so much for the sake of, like, oh, the hero's lost, because, as I kind of said before, like, eh, we've sort of been down that road to certain degrees before. Um, but the time difference is what makes it so interesting. For Link not only, like... Link is amnesic when he wakes up in this game, and I don't even necessarily think they needed to do that, like... I get it because you want to have like the player's eye on things, but I think it might've been ultimately more interesting to get like a little bit to reflect on. Like the world has changed in a hundred years. Like aside from like, you have the cutscenes to play on like what life was like for Link prior to the calamity. But part of me always was kind of like, eh, it would be a little more interesting if he had his memories and truly remembered like the champions that he was like, seeing the ghosts of, and freeing, and having these conversations with. And there's a yeah. big implication that he's getting these memories back as he's speaking with them and stuff, but him being amnesic always felt like a detail that didn't need to happen in this game.
1: Hmm. Yeah, like, for me, one of the funny things is, when that when I heard that, I was like, Avatar The Last Airbender, Aang vibes right now. Um, A little bit, reading, or hearing that, because, like, the whole... He, granted, Aang doesn't quite have... Amnesia, but hundred years locked away.
4: Yeah, again, I I don't I don't know if they were trying to go for like a power level feeling, but there's not a big power level component to this other than heart pieces and whatnot. But Mm. in a hundred years, you don't need to have amnesia to have no clue what's going on. Everyone you knew
2: is dead. Yeah, which is why Avatar works so well.
0: With, you you with don't some have to have
2: really a... rare exceptions. Like, you do meet characters that are shocked that Link doesn't remember them. Like, uh, Impa yeah. and the Zora King. Like, all these people from races that live to be exceptionally old. They're like. The, the Zora King is one of my favorites because he's not even, like, shocked. He's just more disappointed. Like, oh, you really don't remember me? Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think they could have gotten away with not. Doing that and it would have worked just
2: fine But also I don't feel like Didn't change much Because the player character is still getting the same amount Of information you're still seeing these memories Mm -hmm. And um Having Link interact with these people And I still think it's weird To have cutscenes as deep as this in a Zelda Game but they go to some interesting places
1: Yeah I I will say that I thought it was kind of cool that Ganon got a A um A quote unquote victory here I mean, it's the closest I think he's ever technically come to a victory because for me, it added to like the story of, all right, I got to fuck this guy up. Otherwise, really shit is going to go bad. Not that the previous games didn't necessarily have that, but it just added more to the what narrative they were trying to build up here. And they did it right, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, Let's get back in part three. One hundred years later, Link awakens from his healing chamber in the Shrine of Resurrection with Amnesia. He sets out to find Hyrule, riddled with monsters and controlled guardians. He meets an old man who reveals himself to be the spirit of King Rome. He explains to Link that Ganon is sealed away in Hyrule Castle, and he must recover his memory and defeat Ganon before the world is destroyed. Now, Rich, one aspect of the narrative that I found amusing was that most characters make it feel as if time has really passed. Link is discredited when he tells people that he is Zelda's knight, and those who believe him usually berate him for taking so long. There are, however, certain instances where it doesn't really feel like time has passed that much. For instance, how the spirit of King Rome waited for 100 years for the return of Link. What did he, the champions, and Zelda actually do for a hundred years?
2: Um, That's a wonderful question. I don't know if they ever really get into King Rome or, like, how powerful his spirit was or anything like that, but I, I always... The big implication with the champions is that their spirits are entwined with the Divine Beasts, that they're sort of stuck there. So Link freeing the divine beast of Ganon's corruption allows them to at the very least reactivate their beast and aid link in his fight. So I I kind of always read it as like, they were sort of trapped in this limbo where like they didn't pass on because they needed to help link defeat Ganon. But it's about like about a simple, I think the more you try and read into it, the less it makes sense. But that that's kind of always the viewpoint I took on it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. One of the things I thought about, and before I throw it to you, Josh, um, just cause I didn't talk much on the last one is that I also kind of thought about it as because there's magic in play here and the, the circumstances that all these characters are facing, uh, uh, sorry, Zelda being locked away through magic, the champions kind of being and their spirits and King Rome, both being locked to the guardians and the the land respectively, that maybe there's some kind of uh temporal aspect to this, you know? Obviously, whenever I think about that, I always think of Star Trek, but I think about how maybe when Ganon used his power or his magic to confine the champions to the Guardians, uh, or not the Guardians, excuse me, the um, Divine Beasts, maybe there was some temporal aspect to that magic to where it seemed like a long time, which they do say it's it's taking you so long, Link, but maybe to them it's a shorter amount of time or a longer amount of time who knows but is it this topic was more as a joke than serious like yeah what am i gonna like fucking twiddle my thumbs for a hundred years come on link come on link every day just like marking on the fucking side of the divine beast waiting for link to fucking wake up
2: to be fair though i do like that some of them have like different temperaments about it like when you think like you have like Mifa and Daruk who are like, oh, I always knew you'd come back. Or like Rivali who's like, took your sweet fucking time, didn't you, you dipshit?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It's just yeah, it's kind of funny. Like I, as I've gotten older, I've thought more and more about that in games when they when they do stuff like that. They're like, Link was asleep for a hundred years. King Rome, Roam Rome the landscape, waiting for. For Link to return. It's like, what the fuck did he do for a hundred years? He just he baked apples and sat on the Great Plateau. Waiting to give this glider
2: to Link. Um, Shay, actually, you brought the Avatar The Last Airbender thing earlier. And I had never thought of this board, but it's actually more of an apt comparison. When you think about, like, Zelda lore and the hundred year cycle that, like, every hundred years, a new Link, Zelda, and Ganon are born. So it's kind of like Avatar The Last airbender-esque in that ganon wins and link and zelda are put into this eternal sleep so they've essentially fucked up this reincarnation cycle
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's it makes me wonder if there was any like cross pollination or cross influence there to be honest with you i doubt it but certainly possible
2: i think more like theme wise that like That it makes sense like I don't know if they directly were looking at that but it's interesting to see draw the comparisons
1: yeah yeah exactly Uh, Josh let's get you in here on this Uh, what do you think they did for a hundred years I mean a lot of them
4: kind of like Rich was saying before like some of the longer lived other side characters and whatnot have their own shit going on but as far as like the you know the main cast who have all died and are kind of stuck being spirits or whatever who are stuck waiting around for Link at this point, because, you know,
2: whatever. Um, Impa clearly raised a child. I don't know if that counts.
4: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, up on the Great Plateau, it's kind of... It's it's an interesting area, um, especially for for King Rome. That's that's the one that I'm kind of the most thinking about. Like, w- like, what all did he do up there? Right. Uh,
2: he had a little cabin.
4: Yeah, yeah. Seems like the monsters were kind of... Doing, doing a fairly good job of... You know, the other thing with that is since Ganon is kind of continually stuck in that battle with Zelda for this whole time, one thing that we don't really think about, Ganon won, but really it's these monsters were kind of creating their own society out there. With, with that. They didn't have a boss this whole time, which is kind of the first time they've not really had, a, had anybody telling them what to do. They had, they had to figure this all out on their own, which that's that's... I'm more interested in that. Really. They didn't like, know
2: what to do. They didn't think yeah, they'd these, get this far.
3: Yeah, these monsters. Like, well, we won, but... What do we do now? Um,
0: hmm.
1: Yeah, Curious. I like, one of the things I think about is it would be... It, it'd be different if you are like, a spirit and there was a general peace about the land. You could just kind of roam. And slow down and enjoy life and watch nature and things like that but the thing is there's a fucking uh evil spirit entity gathering and amassing power over this 100 years it's kind of hard to just be ah, sweet peaceful just sitting on a like a fucking a ledge just chilling and then you look over you're like oh and there's calamity ganon just yeah amassing and gaining power over there but if i look over this way i can't see it
4: yeah, I think they do a good job. Speaking of that, of in most exploration areas, you have a fairly clear shot of of all of that. Um, mm. But once you get into some of the more involved local things going on, yeah, it's it's out of sight of
3: of Hyrule Castle and Ganon, uh, hmm. which kind of helps put that on the back burner, which is, I, yeah. I, th- I think, you know, would make sense why someone would settle there anyway um, after
4: all this time, but also kind of helps you as a player to get more invested in what's going on there instead of constantly looking over your shoulder. Okay. <laughs> gotta watch what's going on over there at the Um, castle that's
2: on purple fire
3: yeah um yeah no like there's so much there's so much stuff like that with with
4: kind of the way the world is put together feels very logical in a lot of ways um Mm. and yeah like obviously like you could settle right there maybe maybe things will go out You know, we'll go fine for you if you're right there in front of the things. But what if things go poorly? Maybe maybe we should be over here in this in this nice little hole for ourselves. Um, It's kind of where a lot of the you know towns have popped up and whatnot. Um, Yeah, like it is. It is. It is not just the time itself, but kind of that presence hanging over everything really is Mm. felt throughout the game for sure
1: yeah it's 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 just fun to kind of theorize what happened there but yeah it also has some deeper implications as well which is fun Mm -hmm. okay part four link travels throughout hyrule going to locations related to his past in an attempt to regain his memories he goes to each of the hyrulean area excuse me He goes to each of the Hyrulean races, and they help him board the Divine Beasts to purge Ganon from each. When they are purged, they release the trapped spirits of the former champions, who are able to pilot the Divine Beasts once again. He goes to the Lost Woods and obtains the Master Sword. After some training and acquiring of skills, he goes to Hyrule Castle and fights Ganon with the help of the Divine Beasts link seemingly defeats ganon but ganon transforms into his true form zelda gifts link her bow of light and link defeats ganon Covered a lot of Zelda there. seals ganon away and peace is restored to hyrule the champion spirits and king Roam spirit depart for the afterlife now believe it or not this is not the end of the game we have a little bit more story to get to but Before that, Josh, while this sounds like a rudimentary Zelda experience, what we are skipping is all of what happens in between. Visiting shrines, helping the race's various people, traveling around the world with your paraglider, etc, etc. Even though this part of the story is typical of the Zelda games, did the exploration give the story a different feel?
4: Yeah, no, absolutely, and kind of. This is we talked about this a little bit earlier on with with kind of the the darkness in the story and and whatnot, and and I think the I think the parts that land the best as far as that goes are the exploration, are the um,
3: there are ruins everywhere, um, from you know the entire town around Hyrule Castle before you go
4: into to fight Ganon, like, the castle's still standing. Um,
3: the town around it is completely demolished. Like, that just... Um, and exploring all these different
4: areas um, really gives you the feeling that... I, I think that more so than Ganon being visible, swirling around, you know, in the middle of the map and everything, gives you the feeling of like oh yeah no he he totally wrecked all of
2: this um um even the places that are still standing are like clearly the most defensible which is interesting from the design perspective because like mm-hmm. the more you think about it like Kakarigu village is tucked away in a canyon hatano village is basically on a mountainside like death mountain is inhospitable to most people besides gorons like Everything is very calculated in terms of places that are still "quote unquote" thriving.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, mm. yeah. No, I. I don't think it's hard to see, even say that, like the exploration, would really adds or detracts so much as it is the story it is the for thing. me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I want to say something. This is one of the most notable things for me about the story in general, is that this is what really makes this game, to me, like, I feel comfortable being a month removed from beating the game now, almost, one of the best open world games out there, if not oh, the yeah. best to date. Uh, easily, um, easily. And th- this, is, this question really speaks to that, because... I love open world games. You guys know that, Um, especially Josh, you've known through the years that I'm I'm a big fan of the Elder Scrolls games, the Fallout games, other open world games I've really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. There there always feels like, and you used to say this, Josh, and I used to disagree with you so heavily, and in some instances, I think that you are being a little too harsh on it, but I also finally kind of understand what you were trying to say. Years back, not to say that it's necessarily right, just I understand I, I'm I'm much closer to understanding your opinion now that there's too much shit in open world games a lot. You you used to say that a lot. Yeah. And I understand that now because playing this game, yes, there are side quests. And there are, I believe, sixty-three, sixty-seven, I can't remember the exact number, around that area. Like in the mm-hmm. mid sixties to early seventies, there are that many side missions. Exactly. So a it's it's not a never ending thing like Fallout 4 did with its settlement missions where they just they never end fucking as they were Gar- uninteresting. Well, yeah, Preston Garvey sends you to fucking shore up another <laughs> settlements
0: like uh, that shit. Um,
1: yeah, Legend of Zelda doesn't have that. Breath of the Wild, I should say, doesn't have that. It has a set number of side missions, which first off is great. I appreciate that very much. Um. Second, a lot of them are varied enough to where they're they're interesting. Some of them are really simple. I think I talked about the one uh, before where the girl's trying to grow stuff in Gerudo Town, and she can't because the little waterway that she's trying to use yeah, to grow yeah. is filled with garbage. So basically all you have to do is climb the wall, f- follow the waterway for a few meters, and then you find a woman who's eating um and throwing the 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 remnants into the waterway which is littering the waterway and you go up there and you're like hey this little girl's trying to grow stuff can you please stop and she's like oh shit i didn't know that i'm sorry that's exactly what she says word for word verbatim and then she puts <laughs> great dialogue writing over there right mm-hmm. oh and fuck then... dude i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> shit man i didn't know And uh, she she stops, and then you give the little girl some wild berries for her to grow, and then she grows it. For her grow operation. And that's that's like, to me, that fits so well in the narrative of A, who Link is as a character, but B, the greater narrative that Link has this ability to restore balance and power and uh, peace to the world. And that's like, that's such a small thing where he is restoring that little part of the world. To the girl, Gerudo Town and that little area is her whole world. She doesn't, she's not going to be concerned with Ganon or the Divine Beast as much because this is her world. And Link Mm -hmm. is able to restore her world, which is a microcosm of the bigger scope of what's happening. And that, that to me was what was fascinating about a lot of these side missions is that you are, you are, it, it is what you are doing as Link as a character at the, um at the, at a more, at a smaller scale, essentially, for the most part. Or when you're going to these shrines, it's, you're getting weapons to prepare, you're getting the equipment to prepare, you're yeah. learning how to use your skills better for when you free the divine beasts and you fight Ganon you know exactly what you're doing because you have to use all those powers in that process so the shrines are testing you on that they're building up your knowledge and your skill both as Link and as yourself as the player and that's what I found so fascinating about these side missions it wasn't like more content it was like let us methodically get you content. better at the game, get Link more prepared for that final battle, yeah. while also feeding you some of that narrative. Yeah, and another
4: thing that I think worked well about those side quests is that some of them are more explicit than others as far as, like, oh, I've got this exact thing, I need you to help me with this exact problem, here's what I need you to do. And then other ones are like, man, I've got this problem, it would be nice if you could do something about it. And that's it. Go. See if, with the knowledge you know, what can you figure out? That um, very much leaves it up to you how to address some of these issues. And some of them are even less direct than that, without Some even... of them are like
2: find Ganondorf's horse.
4: <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, some of them aren't even quests, quests. Like, they're never logged. It's just, like, stuff you can find from talking to different people around towns and exploring and whatnot. Um, Some of them will, you know, but I've heard a rumor about a thing here over there. And if you go and check it out, you'll find something neat. Yeah. Uh, Some of them will have, you know, like rumors. I hear there's a shrine over this way. And if you listen to the directions, you could find a shrine. Um, And I think it, because there's a variety of those, it makes you pay attention to what people are actually saying, um, to what's going on in these different places, in a way that uh, so many other games. You walk into a hub, you click on everyone with an exclamation point over their head, and then you go to and the. Then you points. go to the
2: icons. Yeah,
4: yeah, and like
2: that doesn't happen here. Um, There's a place for games like that, but Breath of the Wild encourages a very different play style. And like again, I'll, I'll harp on it till the day I die with this fucking game. Like the first time I knew this game was something like incredible was like coming over that weird horizon in the desert and seeing one of those three dragons like swerving through a canyon and being like, "What the fuck is this game?"
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah. You now what's what's cool even about the dragons is that there's this this mystique. You don't really truly ever 100% learn exactly what the dragons are or what they're doing there. And I like that th- the world leaves some mystery. Oh, like, yeah. And it's, it's There's readings
2: be... about them being, like, I think it's clear they're supposed to be representative at some point of, like, the three gods of Zelda lore, but, like, it's as simple as that. Like, yeah, you don't never, know more like, than
1: that. Yeah, exactly. Explicitly
2: spelled out for you.
1: You know what would be actually really fascinating? Because, you know, Link has defeated Ganon in Breath of the Wild. In Breath of the Wild 2, they start exploring those dragons more and kind of... That's why they're going into the sky, like, presumably the sky, because it shows Link falling out of the sky at one point. We have seen they, some
2: sky islands, yeah. which would tie yes. into a lot of the Skyward Sword stuff. And... It
1: would be fascinating to see if that yeah. has anything to do with the dragons as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the big thing with... Could it, go somewhere with that. The big thing with a direct
4: sequel is that you can do anything with it, which I think is some of the strengths of the Wind Waker sequels is that you can just go do a thing. Like, just explore. Find ruins. Like, see what's Link's going on elsewhere off on the world. Event.
2: It's um, one of the strongest uh, things of Majora's Mask, uh, yeah. to its credit, is, like, that game is, like, after Link became a hero and vanquished evil, like, what, what did he do next? And it was just, mm-hmm. you know, I, new places. I like
4: I really like the... Non, Link stops Ganon. Zelda stories, like they're not not that they're all amazing or anything, but they're all different. Big um, fan of the
2: Wizard Zant.
4: Yeah, yeah, Minish Cap is amazing.
2: Um, I love Minish Cap. I love all I, the Capcom made Zelda games. <laughs> yeah, the
4: Capcom Zeldas are amazing. Um, Link's Awakening is just great because they're also doing. Something different, like with this character. Um, something
2: bizarre. That is, uh I love that game so much.
4: Yeah, and I'm I'm curious to see them doing that with something of this scale. Like, there's so much other stuff you can go explore here. Like, I had a ton of fun exploring ruins and whatnot in the first game. Imagine if that was
2: more of a focus. Like, you guys, Link appears to have a flamethrower in the sequel. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is this game? Yeah, yeah exactly yep
1: yep it's gonna be fun and interesting so um yeah but i yeah sorry a lot of yeahs <laughs> as, as i'm gathering my thoughts <laughs> yeah i mm-hmm. i just feel mm-hmm. like this is one of the best versions if not the best version of an modern open world game or just an open world game in general to be honest with you this uh, is
2: easily one of my top 10 games
1: of all time I understand why now. I finally get it. It's something else. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, completely understand. So I I just I can't imagine a game that allows you to feel like there's so much content, but that there there's enough breathing room to where you can just enjoy not being overwhelmed by it either. Because one of the things that a lot of modern open world games feel the need to do is when you have a map just fucking littering it with things to do constantly being overwhelmed when you open that map and you're like, wow, I just did one thing and I have 30 new things to do. We're you looking at you will be that thing and you're like, wow, I found four new things to do on top of the other 29 that I had. Yeah. This game allows you to kind of discover that on your own. And when you discover that stuff, you can put markers. And I like the fact that they give you up to a hundred different little markers that you can place on the map. And you can choose which ones you do or don't do. And um, I I really appreciate that about the game. And there's enough exploration that each area has something going on. And it's it's something as simple as finding a Korok seed in that area to finding a hidden treasure chest underneath the water that you have to use your magnesis to pull Mm -hmm. out of the water. Or to find a fucking hidden island... To where all your all your equipment is removed, and you have to start from scratch and um, complete that an is objective. The
2: best fucking shrine in the game. I like. I don't care yeah. what anyone's. It's so good. It's so yep. smart. It's so unique.
1: Yep. Yeah. That that and the pitch black island one. Yeah. Also great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I love both of those so much. That there. Yeah. There's so much amazing design in this game just in terms of, like, the area and the shrines and the scope and everything. You could tell there was a lot of love and care put into this game. And even, weirdly beyond that,
2: like, there's a... And this is something I never really expect from a Zelda game. There's a weird amount of good character work. Like, I would play a fucking game about Urbosa. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, honestly, I don't know how, but... I would love to see some sort of prequel to this game. It exists. Where, well, <laughs> hold, hold on. Uh, you, let me finish. No, no, I'm letting you finish. I'm letting you finish. I just, I had to say that much. It, it does exist. I mean, so many other, other games are, in, in essence, prequels to this game. But, um, no, a prequel where the four champions are explored. Yeah, that well, that's exists. That's just the whole basis of the game. Yeah, that Unfortunately,
2: exists. it exists, yeah. Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. Oh. You know what I mean.
1: Not that. Exactly. Well, I mean, that no. It,
2: th- th- that, no, that narrative is explored heavily in that game. And yeah. there is, and all the champions are playable. Like, say what you want about it being a Musou game, because it's a known quantity in that sense. Like, it is a good game.
3: Hmm. Okay. It's just not okay, remotely okay. similar to you know breath of the wild (laughs) oh no of course not yeah
1: let me reword that that but in the vein of breath of the wild how about that okay
2: yeah that's a totally different or even a regular zelda game (laughs) but
1: yeah sure there we go there we go that's what i'm saying like the quality of this kind of game in exploring them how about that is that better
0: it's hard to say because I, I
2: do think the quality is there narratively in that game. Like again, it is a Musou game, so you need to take the gameplay for what it is. But like, there's there's good stuff to be had in that game. Like I am gl- glad that I played that. Hmm. I'm not gonna tell anyone to rush out
3: and play it, but I'm glad that I did.
1: Okay, so, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, let's jump into the last part, which is the Mad Dash. Here we always do this at the end. It's the last little bit of story. This one's a little bit less of a mad dash and more of just a kind of saunter off into the end. But uh must be noted either way. So if Link found all 13 memories to fix his amnesia, you see the true ending. Zelda realizes that Hyrule must be rebuilt and that she and Link must begin the process themselves. While surveying the land and leaving to begin the rebuild, Zelda confides excuse me, Zelda confides in Link that she may not possess her powers anymore but she is okay with it. And that's the end of the game. So Rich, considering the true ending of the game where do you see the narrative of Breath of the Wild 2 going? We kind of talked about that a little bit. Let's just fully get all the way into it.
2: Um, My easy guess here based off footage we've seen and where this game ends in its quote-unquote true ending is that, um, Link and Zelda are going to set about finding ways to properly rebuild Hyrule and that the first start of rebuilding this civilization will involve them uncovering some very ancient Sheikah technology um, that will possibly awaken some kind of second new ancient evil that they're going to have to deal with. Um Uh, maybe, maybe I hope not ganon related, because that seems a little bit too easy. But uh, there's also been some implication that it might be some quote Ganondorf or possibly even uh, going back to demise from good old Skyward Sword. So we'll we'll see what that means.
1: Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I yeah that that's an interesting prospect. I really want an enemy that's not. Ganon or Ganondorf but feels as formidable as him if that makes sense
2: I think I think demise would be the answer to that but I'd even settle for let's dig deeper and where give me the fucking wizard xanth again everybody loves him
1: mm. right yeah Josh what about you what What do you, where do you see the narrative going in breath of the wild 2
4: um I mean mostly all the same notes as far as kind of rebuilding and finding for, you know, whatever reason. Some reason to go off in a new area or whatever, because you're very conspicuously cut off from the rest of the world in this game. Like, you're, you you always have natural borders in Zelda games just because you, you need to, but usually it's a mountain range or something. In this one, it's a big damn canyon that's just surrounding all of Hyrule that makes it very obvious that, you know, you've been cut off in some magical way or whatever um that make it make it feel like that would be a natural reason like oh man if we're going to fix all this we're going to have to go somewhere
3: yeah the rest mm-hmm. of the world um i, I kind of i don't know i have suspicions that
4: we're we're moving on like going to see new places um clocktown
3: Maybe, maybe, but yeah, I I, I definitely don't think we're going to be, I'm not seeing a
4: world like tacked on, like, oh, we're still in Hyrule, but we're rebuilding here, but now we've got so much more to explore because we know about, you the know, sky the Sky place. Islands and whatnot,
2: but I do hope I part know. of the rebuilding brings, um like, maybe a deeper version of that, uh, the Terrytown quest, which is probably yeah. the best side quest in this game.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I I think when I think about this game, the first one, I like one, a lot there's... of the hidden
4: sorry, there there's, there's sorry. That is a good quest. But sorry, you got me really distracted. There's like a series of hidden quests uh in the desert about some of the uh a lot of the statues you find there that I, that
2: I
1: really yeah, like. Yeah, I, I know the one. Yeah. Hmm. I I will say this that I think there was a lot not explored intentionally, and I'm perfectly okay with it. In Breath of the Wild, that they have a lot of material to pull from in the second game, and I think it would all be viable. So I, yeah. I'm curious if it's going to be like, oh, uh, the the baddie for this week, the baddie for this week will be this, and that's what the game is going to feel like. I don't think it will be that because of how much time and care and craft was put into the first game. Yeah. That there'll be sub- something substantial here. It'll be interesting to see if Zelda regains her powers and how that manifests in the story. If that manifests yeah. in you being able to play as her, as a playable character, or if it's just I, a part of the narrative. I won't hold um, my
2: breath for that, but I really hope that that is the, I think that'd be great. I would, I would you love, love that. hold your I, breath the,
4: for uh, that? The, uh, of the wild. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. My, my, on that vein, kind of going into the, my thought of we're going off exploring. They need to have some reason to take away all your power. The, you know, the sages who, you know, mummified themselves while they were still alive thing seem like their spirits bound to Hyrule to protect it. Same thing with, you know, the four heroes. I, I've got a feeling you're going to leave, lose all your powers while you're out exploring what and whatnot. Um,
3: which is you know,
4: Put you and Zelda basically on equal footing once you're out in this new area, mm,
0: doing what sure. ne-
4: whatever your new mission is and all of that. Not not to say that that means we'll be playing as Zelda, but I think it's definitely an option because it kind of leaves Might. you both starting from the same spot if you're going somewhere new. As you know, as a way to kind of finish up everything that was going on there like the only thing that might still make sense to be around would be the sheikah slate since that seems well, to be a actually, completely different it, piece of tech
2: it's, it's funny you mentioned that because as far as that goes i think the destruction of the sheikah slate is where you start there because yeah. the footage they did show us showed link with like some kind of robot looking arm yes yeah, um, some, something to get us all the way back to zero well yeah i think the sheikah slate is going to get destroyed in the, the opening act and that it's going to be replaced as some sort of sheikah like prosthetic that is going to graft itself onto link
1: hmm. yeah that that'd be i think that'd be smart and interesting mm-hmm. yeah to just like take some power away from him
0: yeah exactly well, i mean and, and, and yeah they, they always kind of do that on it
4: but yeah as narrative reasons why that's my guess it'll be like
2: he's getting the new iphone
4: yeah and also just like 2.0 just dropped even though they don't like doing this traditionally it's a ton of fun playing as Zelda in uh, Cadence of Hyrule oh, maybe maybe people will have talked about how much they want to play as Zelda or as Linkle over the last Sp- spirit tracks you know five years for long enough that uh you are like okay fine, we're gonna let you do it finally um, alright you shut up now we gave yeah. you a thing you asked or- I'd be cool with that If it's just an option, you pick who you're playing as at the beginning, because it would make sense. Either way.
2: Yeah, it could definitely work either way. Maybe you give Zelda some sort of... um, Or is both. Yeah, a swap. Like, I I feel like... I'm also curious, like uh, you said with Link's Power Wipers, he's somehow going to lose the Master Sword.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got to lose his master sword.
2: Or, well, maybe it doesn't matter that he has the blade of evil's bane now that he killed. Now that there's no evil
1: to bane, it's just a sword. Um,
4: Turns
2: out it was just the sword of Ganon's bane, not not evil overall, that specific Mm -hmm. evil. Yeah. Very specific evil.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
3: Okay.
1: Sorry. Josh. What were the notable standouts of Breath of the Wild's narrative for you?
0: Mm.
3: I, I really like whenever you go into
4: a new village that's still thriving and seeing how they're
3: thriving somehow in all of this. Um specifically going out to the desert and, and seeing um you know, the Gerudo village. Um everything going on with that, um and with Riju specifically, I think is, is really great stuff as far as kinda narratively kind of having a, a story that seems similar to kind of what
4: you're going through as far as like, okay, how, how are we going to make this work after, you know, everything's fallen apart, but it's still on me to keep things running. Um,
3: um, and I think, I think that particular area kind of, it does it really well.
4: Uh And I, I, just narratively, I feel like a lot of stuff kind of came together really well in that
1: area. Yeah. I, I yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's a really good and fun area, to be honest with you. Uh Rich, same question. Um I mean
2: all the stuff with the champions resonated with me for different reasons, but I alluded to this earlier and I just really like Urbosa as a character. Um she's my favorite of the four champions, and there's a lot of her flashback scenes are more interesting. I just like the way her character is juxtaposed against the rest of the team. Whereas she's sort of this stronger, older female character that Zelda was clearly leaning on, um, at a point as she's trying to cope with like her role and everything. And this almost sort of resentment she feel seems to feel towards Link for being this, you know, this guy supposed to protect me. Um, and feeling all the, like the weight of this responsibility of what her role is. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: like strong female characters in general are good, but Urbosa just is written so well as like this person who get understands who she is and is doing everything she can to help the this younger generation.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good one too. I really liked Um sorry, let me look to make sure I have the name correctly. I don't want to say it incorrectly. Um Mifa, mm-hmm. yeah, from the princess from the aquatic Zora. I like that whole entire storyline. I really like did fishing, I love one. interest. Yeah, yeah, Mifa's yeah. the best. Mifa yeah, best really girl good day, by by a, by a good margin. I mean, part part of it is that was the first one that I did, but also part of it is because it was something I felt like f- that I had experienced different in Zelda, where it wasn't like. Zelda was just going to save, or sorry, Link was just going to save Zelda and that's it. Like Link actually has Had a his love own... interest that yeah has it's... his own life kind of thing established there a little bit. And there's some history there and the, the father mm-hmm. loves him. And yeah, yeah, it was nice to have some actual backstory to Link, but also give him somewhat of a story for him to live his own life, which was, I thought, something that i didn't really know that i needed and then once i got it i was like man where has this been yeah and it's neat and i love that little
2: like there's a story layer to it and you use it as proof to prove at one point that um the zora armor set you can get in that area like yeah. they note that it fits link because it's a zora tradition for the women to craft that for the man they're going to marry so this right. armor fits link because mifa made it for him before she passed
1: away Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, I love that. And I love also the fact that, um, granted this isn't one part of it, but this is kind of the storyline is also a smaller part of it is that all four of these nations of people get some kind of resolution to their champion who wasn't just a champion, but the game actually shows you what part of society they existed in yeah, and how it impacted each one of those societies. Yeah, that's one of the things I really love about the game. Is usually it's like this character is going to save this world, and like that's it. And you have these foil characters that sometimes have some deeper story, but sometimes they don't. I mean, you think about uh, Lydia in Skyrim, which is like one of the iconic characters of that game. That iconic, yeah, memes. you get a little bit, hmm, iconic memes. Yes. Iconic memes is probably the better way of saying that where you get (laughs) a little bit of story from her, but you don't know how she directly impacts the environment around her and where she came from before and how her helping you impacts things. But with these characters, they each have enough backstory and they have enough of their own narrative that you can see how they directly impact the, the world. And I, It's just masterful writing to me.
2: Shay, I don't want to try and oversell you on the DLC you didn't buy, um, but you should know that the expansion gives you even more backstory on every champion, and all of it's pretty good. You even get to see a uh, little baby boy side-on.
1: Dope. All right, (laughs) well, when I get some free time, I'll let you know, and I'll pick that up, and I'll play it. it's pretty good stuff. Especially, I'll try and get it done before Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, especially. I,
2: I think you will not regret making time for it. I imagine I
1: won't. So that sells me though. Good job. Well done, sir. Nintendo, send this man a check. Nintendo, we'll, we'll take our money now. (laughs) Uh 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 Money, me, Nintendo money, me now.
0: Did we say it like
1: yes? (laughs) Yes. The last question. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it as open-ended. I'm gonna allow you guys to talk as long as you want to. Usually I try and keep it to a few short sentences, but I'm gonna allow it for this game. Would you recommend this game? Josh? Absolutely.
3: Um, the, like, we've kind of talked about this a lot before, but the this
4: is just my favorite open world game by such a big margin, and like we, we kind of mentioned before how it's there's always something to look at and be intrigued by. But I think the reason that works is because there is so much space in this game. There it there's room for everything to breathe. Uh
2: but it doesn't feel empty at the same time. It
4: yeah, it does it's not empty, but there's room
2: It uses empty space in a smart way is probably the best. best yeah, there
4: exactly. Like it in a lot of ways it feels like exploring the world of like Shadow of the Colossus. Um whereas in that one there's not much of a reason to explore you can find little you know lizards and fruit to to you know get tiny upgrade you know just while you're wandering around but the joy of that world to explore is just seeing more of the world um and that it very much feels similar in this um but but with you know way more tangible rewards just kind of strewn about here, um, and also more combat because it's not a game just about bosses the way that was. Um, yeah, but, but overall that feeling of just a huge world that seems very, very consistent on its own, uh, merits. It just like, it feels like a real place. So it's, it's so grounded.
3: Um, that it it's just a joy to explore the world like if nothing else um it's
4: it's absolutely worth just just existing in that world um i never lost interest in that yeah in that world it, it we didn't really talk about it but like a lot of the mechanical systems in this game really drive that home in a lot of ways with you know the different weather going on making you Need to you know equip different gear or or
2: you know different potions or or even just take shelter and make a fire and rest. For yeah, a while yeah. To wait for like yeah, a storm like deal, to pass.
4: Exactly. Like deal with the elements in in ways that make you feel like you are in this world and not just oh the weather changed things look a little different right now.
1: Um, I, I have to admit that was one of the only annoyances I had with the game is because I I'm an impatient person. And when it would start raining, and I'm trying to climb this cliff, and obviously you can't, because you know physics. Yeah, I was f- like, fucking, just let me climb this cl- one t- cliff, t- and then time I can to get to where I need to go next, and, uh,
2: and get a place to rest. Um, I, you know what's funny is actually, I wanted to bring this up, but I couldn't find a good place to do it before. I wanted to ask you if you ever encountered this guy Shay, because at hmm. the, the time of the game, I remember people posting this a lot, and I just thought it was like so weirdly wholesome. Um. A lot of the time in this game, you'll see people traveling on, like, the main roads and stuff, and you can sit and talk to them. Sometimes they turn into the ninjas and try and kill you. Uh, other times they don't. Um, there's one character who travels along the roads, and if you see him going along, and you're—I you're, think he hangs out near one of the big bridges. Um, if you step up onto the side of the, the ledge of the bridge, he runs towards you, and he begs you to step down. he's like, please, don't— you're, I know the world is hard, but you have so much to live for. And he like what? talks to you. Like he thinks you're trying to kill yourself. And he tries to talk you off the ledge. And when you get down, he's so happy. And he's like, thank you for reconsidering. He's like, I know the world is in a dark place right now, but like, we're going to get through this.
1: I did not come across that guy. Oh, that's cute. I yes, like it, that.
2: It's very wholesome.
1: No, that's super wholesome. No, I haven't done that. There, Like I was joking around about this, that I, I played that game for what seemed like an eternity over the Christmas break. And I was like, oh, man, I had to put a decent chunk into this game's completion. And I look at the completion rate. It's like 23%. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So There's there's so much there, man. There's so much there. Yeah, and I, I really do want to go back and play the file. My, my same file and just try and do everything that I can because I know there's so much that I missed. Like, I didn't unlock the fourth fairy, I didn't go to the horse fairy, I didn't oh, yeah, get to the, 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 the massive weird horse. horse. Yeah, there's oh, yeah, so much in that Gannon's game I know horse. I didn't get to.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to be found. I, breaking that horse was one of the, a thing I was so determined to do Uh, the first time I was playing that. Also, one of those DLC adds a pretty awesome monster vendor uh mm. you can get like uh one of my favorite items ever which is uh you can get a bokoblin mask that yes. lets you just walk amongst them
4: <laughs>
2: that's not from the yeah, dlc exactly. or he might have new
4: equipment but he was in there original oh he, he was always there, there
2: right yeah the masks come a lot of that stuff comes with the dlc i think
4: yeah i think some mm. of the new
2: stuff like they had masks before but I,
4: I i think it was the lionel mask that might be new i don't think you could get that until the dlc and that um, and the,
2: the Dark Link stuff, I believe, is
4: yeah. only there in the yeah. DLC. Yeah, I know they added a bunch of stuff to it. I'm trying to think what was there originally. Um, I know some of the different, you know, smaller monster masks were there, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, sorry,
1: sorry, Josh, we didn't mean to disrail yes, your thoughts. sorry, just derail your thoughts. Weird there. thoughts
2: bubbling up about this amazing game.
1: Yeah. You, you can keep going if you want, Josh, sorry. No, I was. To... I was, I
4: was. that was it. I was just trying to remember what was at that vendor. That guy's
3: that guy's mm. cool
1: as well. Um He's funny. His whole mission to in, encounter him is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I enjoyed that. Well, fair enough. Um Yeah, I uh, it goes without saying I would recommend this game. I have so much I would love to talk about with this game just like I wish that I played That's one of my I won't say regrets, one of my wishes is that I had played this game right when it had come out cause then just all that's one of my favorite things about gaming is when there's a game like this that's just lightning in a bottle and you and your friends are all playing it at the same time you're like oh shit did you see this thing oh did you see this thing, that was the magic of Skyrim for me um, I was
2: yeah, it, I was up at like 4am in discords talking to people about like did you see the
1: fucking, the, the fucking
2: weird guy walking through the woods and the dragon yeah. and
1: yeah, exactly. There's so much to find and explore in this game, and um, it'll be fun if and when you guys decide to sit down and play this game again before Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. Oh, if yeah. not, then we'll be able to do it with Breath of the Wild 2. Don't worry, it'll know? be eligible for Chomping at the Bits in five years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which, we need uh, to.
4: Uh, yeah, we need to get you that DLC, and then also I want to. At this point, I need to start over my hard mode. Playthrough because I was only like halfway through it, but I know mm. if I just walked right into it, I'm gonna get completely rolled. Um,
2: I'm currently shit pushed in. Yeah. I'm currently uh, about halfway through my replay. I've done the first two uh, Divine right. Pieces. Oh,
1: you're you, playing it right now? You you playing it uh, hard like, right, or uh, not?
2: Like right now, while we're I just did a normal playthrough. I kind of just wanted yeah. to explore again with a fresh start and yeah. like have a the hard is pretty play again. rough.
4: Yeah, it, it really.
2: It's it's not what I was looking for at the moment. It is my game. I put like an like an hour or so in when I have time. When I just kind of want to lay in bed and not think about anything yeah. else. I'm just yeah. like I'm gonna play oh, some Breath okay. of the
4: Wild.
0: Okay. Mm.
4: Yeah, the hard is a rough. That that, 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 that's, that that's a very tough hard mode. Um, yes. Well. Ish. I mean, there's still stuff. Like, if you know the systems extremely well, there's still stuff you can do
2: to... It's just a different thing. Like, I had started yeah. that as well, and it's a lot of fun, but it's it's not what I'm in the
1: market for at the moment. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah. But, um. yeah, the, 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 that's one of my biggest... Wishes is that I'd played this originally when I come out. There's so much to do in this game, and it goes without saying, anybody who's playing knows it, and it all feels fun and viable. With the exception of maybe collecting 900 Korok seeds, is a little bit excessive. And the but don't you want the duty? Get...
2: Hmm, don't you want the duty?
1: <laughs> and I don't think the reward is quite worth it at the end of the day. Um. Yeah, there are a couple
4: cool. tuning things like that that are. Well, I mean, that one's not really a tuning things so much as it's. You're never meant to get all of them, but like, yeah. money in this game is another thing that's like that, where it's like impossible to come by until you realize exactly how to get it, and then, mm-hmm. then you don't need it again. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like uh, you just need it for whole, the house. Th- yeah. The whole thing where basically you either do the bowling trick or the. The hunting in the wild, like hunting in the the tundra area, to get a lot of money and making skewers—that's stuff yep. that I had to do, and it was it was probably one of my least favorite parts about the yeah. game, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah,
4: no, the bowling is something completely mindless that's repeatable, and you—I—I I don't know—I would just do something else, watch some TV, and zone out yeah. while I just got money. But yeah, it's like they could have found a better way to make money's always yeah. been a thing like that in Zelda, though, like where it's just kind of the economy is not a feature so much as it happens to be there. Um, uh, Hyrule's right. economy
2: is in shambles.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but there there are so many things to love about this game from mainly from a narrative standpoint. I will I'll try and keep it. More so on that than everything else, because I've talked about everything else I love in the game. I like how simplistic the narrative is, but with how simplistic it is, that there's enough depth with the characters that you feel integrated into the world. Like, it's surprising to me how simplistic that narrative is, yet how engrossed you or you can become or I was yeah. learning more about each of these race of people and how much time I wanted to spend with each group of people and mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to everybody because like there are a lot of times like in Skyrim you can go talk to literally everyone you want to but often they're super like, uninteresting. I... Yep. Mm-hmm. But everybody here has something interesting to say and it's not like they bog you down generally. With dialogue there are a few moments where i was like okay you're getting a little long and the, long there like when you're reading the journals of uh each of the 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 champions and then princess zelda's uh journal it, it tends to go on a little bit long but that's such a minor thing in comparison so also fun I, o-
2: yeah. fun open go world ahead. game detail that i i appreciate when games do a lot of the characters in this game uh, will definitely let you know that they are uncomfortable with the fact that you are naked.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, But overall, if I'm talking about just from a narrative standpoint, I think that it's even, yes, I would recommend it even just based off of that, just because it's simple enough to where you don't feel like if you miss something that you're that far put out of understanding what's happening in general. And it's, uh, it's detailed enough to where I felt engrossed in the world and very engrossed in the world. And I wanted to see the end. And while I was exploring all of the other stuff, doing all the side missions, and whatnot i never lost sight of what i was ultimately working towards and i never felt like ah, oh, this feels tedious i gotta go back to the main story i was like man i want to get this shit done i want to see where the story goes next <laughs> oftentimes yeah. i felt like that so phenomenal game um even if we're just talking about it from the narrative standpoint so i recommend it and rich i'm gonna let you wrap it up because sure. i know you love this game so much so yeah
2: Um, I won't harp for too long because I feel like we've said everything in this department that's worth saying. But this game is fucking miraculous, and for a game that came out in just 2017, just a few short years ago, like hard pressed to change my mind about video games at this point in time. But this is easily on my top ten games of all time list. Like, Mm -hmm. open world games are great. This kind of perfected them, and I think you're gonna clearly see. You've already started to see, but you're gonna see even more so over the next few years. Like how it affects open world games going forward. And even just Nintendo dared to do something very different with one of their biggest IP. Oh yeah. Mm. It paid off immensely. Like this is the sort of iteration you can't even like what a risk, but it's so it, it panned out in every way imaginable. And this is definitely one of the greatest video games ever made.
1: I I want to interject there because I'm selfish sure and um i want to say you can actually and i know you're kind of alluding to that it's going to be even more so in the future but you can definitely see the influence now with something like genshin impact
0: yes um, yeah that's you, the first thing see, that
1: comes to mind yeah is there anything else you wanted to say about the you recommending this game and the narrative and stuff like that before why
2: why are you still here go play breath of the wild
1: truth truth you know one of the things i'm going to say is um and this is all ingest. I know that. It's from me, all in jest, and from the people, all in jest. Uh, I got some shit this morning in our Discord. Some loving shit. Some of the patrons were like... Uh, one of them specifically basically said, I was listening to your guys' most anticipated show, and Shay wouldn't shut the fuck up about Breath of the Wild for like an hour. And it's and he's like, "It's that game came out in 2017, buddy. Get with the times and uh I, we were joking around about that and we were talking about that in there but what was funny about that is maybe maybe an hour later if that i get a message from another one of our patrons my good buddy uh matt who <laughs> who's like i just finished it can fell what a phenomenal game and then he says I finally started Breath of the Wild because I heard you guys talking about it in one of your most recent episodes. And I was just like,
0: sweet victory. <laughs> and
1: it's that's working. the benefit of talking about these things, even if they're years old, is that someone like me, who, sit, who sat on the fence for years to play this game, finally waited for a sale, finally picked it up, loved it. There are people out there I know like me who are waiting for sales or were waiting for the right time and they just need that encouragement. So felt good, felt vindicated, felt validated and uh yeah, I my my biggest hope is that for anybody who is like me who hadn't played this game, here's this episode, goes and plays it because uh I I shouldn't have waited as long as I did to play this game. I'm glad I finally played it. Not that it's like the end of the world if you don't play it right when it comes out, but... No, it is. (laughs) No, it is. Literally, in the game, it's the end of the world. But one of the things that is amazing about a game like this is that you can talk about it with your friends. And that, like I said, that was my, my biggest wish with this game. And that's why I would like to encourage people to play this game, especially with presumably the second one coming out later this year, fingers crossed that, um, you can be a part of the conversation when that one drops. Yeah. It's going to be great. Oh yeah. But anyways, uh, let's get the hell out of here. You guys need to get some sleep and, uh, Please. I, I think we did the damn thing. Hour we and did a half the later. damn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you for checking out the, uh, this episode of chomping after dark. If you liked it, please like, and subscribe, um, wherever you listen to podcasts at, uh, leave us a kind rating. Pretty please share it with somebody you think would be interested in this discussion. Even if it's, you know, five years late, (laughs) please share it with anybody who wants to hear more breath of the wild talk. We, uh, we love to be able to talk with, uh, anybody and everyone who wants to talk about video games or anything else with us. So, um, Yeah, please check that out. And uh, if you want more content from us, head over to SoarChomp.com where we have more podcasts, merch. We have a Patreon page. We have articles with reviews and things like that. I'm hopefully here in the next few weeks going to be getting up a retrospective look in paper, digital paper, whatever you want to call it, article form on this game. It's called a website. Hey, that's what it's called. I don't think
2: those are going to catch on. Man
1: yeah but hopefully i'll get that up here very soon and also um yeah just thank you so much for being here and listening to us talk about this game it was a uh, one has impacted us in very different ways and it's been great to talk about with these two it's fine it's finally great that i like understand yeah. why why this game is so coveted and appreciated feels good mm-hmm. but anyways uh We're going to get out of here. Thank you to Rich for being here and Josh as well for being here um, talking about this amazing game with me. I was your host, Shay, and we will be back for the next episode of Chomping After Dark. Be safe out there, take care of each other, and take care of yourself.